Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic is why curse a fig tree? We want to look at the cursing of the fig tree by our Lord Jesus Christ as he enters Jerusalem in that last week before the crucifixion. In fact, there is a completed narrative in Mark beginning at chapter 11 and going through chapter 13, in which Jesus is ministering at the temple. And all of the events and sayings of that day center around this central complex in Jerusalem, the holy city of God. Again, we are looking at a passage of scripture that has caused some uh, misrepresentation of teaching, and also some consternation among believers. And that is the statement where Jesus says that you can ask what you will and it will be done of your Father. Listen again. It's found in Mark chapter 11 in verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And previous to that, Uh, He had said in verse 22, Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Now we cannot interpret these scriptures in isolation from the others. And the point of my teaching in regard to this statement is that the Lord Jesus makes this statement on more than one occasion, and he does so under different circumstances. And to truly understand it, we must look at the context in which we find it, because we must interpret Scripture contextually. I noticed in the past that the passage is embedded in a paragraph. So first of all, we look at a sentence and understand what it's saying, And then we look at the sentence within the paragraph in which it is embedded. And then we have to look at the extended passage. That is, is it connected to something that happened before? Is it connected to something that happens afterwards? And then we have to go and look at, is there a greater section within this writing with which this uh, saying is connected? In addition, in studying the Bible, especially in studying the New Testament, we must consider what connections there are to the First Testament, that is, to the writings, to the law, and to the prophets. So let's look at this passage of Scripture. It's recorded for us uh, both in Matthew and in Mark. And so I'm going to read the passages to you. First of all, Matthew chapter 21, verses 17 through 22. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. And in the morning, as he was returning to the city, to the city being Jerusalem and to the temple, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, 
be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. That's the recording in Matthew 21. Then we find the recording in Mark chapter 11, beginning at verse 11, and it goes all the way through verse 25. First of all, though, let me read verses 11 through 19. And he entered Jerusalem, and he went into the temple. So that's during the day. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Okay, so that's uh, recorded. On the following day, that is in the morning of the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money chambers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And when he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple, and he was teaching them and saying to them, Is is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and were seeking a way to destroy him, but they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Now I want to note in passing that this passage that I've read has a quotation from the prophets about my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. It's found in more than once, but in yesterday's message, of reading in the scriptures we found it in Jeremiah chapter 7. So there is connection here in this passage to the First Testament, to the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. But let me continue. And as they passed by in the morning, this is the next day, and Peter, uh, and as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots, and Peter Remember, and he said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now, I've read the passage to you, and we have looked at the immediate context, both of the sentence and the paragraph, and we've looked a little bit at the extended context, that is, Jesus is going back and forth from Bethany to Jerusalem. He's coming into the temple and ministering at the temple. Now, As we look at the passage, or the saying, we should note that Christ connects it to a couple of things. He connects it to prayer, for sure. But he also connects it to praying. So it's praying with reference to forgiveness. That's the context in which Christ himself 
speaks about the mountain and the believing prayer. Now previously, we've noted this saying of Jesus in connection with the healing of the, of the boy, probably a teenage boy, at the foot of the mountain after Jesus had been transfigured before three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. Okay, In that connection, Jesus gave a teaching concerning prayer also. And the reason for that, or the main point that he was making in that, is that when we pray, we need to understand that we need to pray in faith. So in reference to the boy who was healed of a, a demon of deafness and dumbness, the disciples needed faith to accomplish the mission that Christ had given to them. They need faith in God's power and in God's will. And they had previously exercised such a ministry, but this particular demonic power seemed to be too strong. And so they evidently were unsuccessful. And so Christ admonishes him concerning prayer and concerning faith. We must have faith in God, and we must have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There's where our authority lies, and there is where God's power resides, in the person of God. He is the proper object of our faith. The Lord Jesus Christ is the proper object of our faith, not our faith. Our faith must never become the object Faith must always have an object, and it's an object outside of us. Its object is God himself and his mission in the Lord Jesus Christ. But on this particular day, as they're going into Jerusalem, and the next day as they go into Jerusalem, Christ has a conversation with the fig tree. He goes to the fig tree because it has leaves on it. He was hungry, and his, his appetite is up. It's morning, he wants something to eat, and he goes to the fig tree. It has leaves. Leaves promise that there might be fruit. But when he gets there, there is no fruit. And so Christ makes this cryptic statement. He curses the fig tree. He says to the fig tree, uh, may no fruit ever come from you again. <laughs> That's definitely a curse. Uh, Mark records it. And seeing in a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to it so he could find anything on it. And when he found nothing but the leaves, he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So what is the big deal about the fig tree? And why did Christ curse the fig tree? That's the context in which Christ makes this statement concerning whatever you ask in prayer and uses this uh, exaggerated illustration uh, of fig tree being rooted up from the ground and being planted in the sea or one mountain moving from one location to another. Well, to understand the context, we have to connect with the Old Testament. If you connect with the First Testament, we have to connect to the law and the prophets. And where specifically can we find that connection? Well, we find that connection in the prophet Isaiah in chapter 5, in which Israel is called the Lord's vine and the Lord's vineyard. Now, I know there's a difference between grapes and figs, but it's the idea of fruit and a fruitful tree that God has planted. Listen to Isaiah chapter 5, the first 
of the opening verses. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a water tower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its walls, etc. Then Isaiah speaks about the judgment that will come on the Lord's vineyard because it did not bear the fruit for which God had planted it. Now, all of this is a context in which we must interpret this saying of Jesus concerning whatever you ask in my name, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. And he uses the illustration of being taken up the fig tree and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, believes what it says will come to pass. Well, you see, Jesus' curse on the fig tree was not because he was frustrated. What Jesus did and what Jesus said are connected. It's an acted parable concerning the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and through Jacob's 12 sons that God had delivered from Egypt and planted in Canaan land. These were his chosen people through whom the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, came. But when he came, the land, the people, for the most part, rejected his true mission and rejected his person as a suffering servant of Jehovah. They wanted a military king. They did not want the suffering servant who would redeem the people of God. So Israel is caught up with sin again. Now, the nature of the sin has changed. It used to be idolatry, and now it's more of a religious kind of sin of pride and self-sufficiency and legalism and other things that are displeasing in God's house. And they had turned the temple into a place of commerce rather than a place of prayer. It's this a context in which Jesus makes his statement. See, the disciples looked at what Christ had said to the fig tree. He said, may you never bear fruit again. And it withered at its roots. The tree basically died. And that's what's going to happen to Israel. Christ is already giving a prophetic announcement here of what will happen to Jerusalem and to the nation because of the rejection of him as the Messiah, and that will unfold in the weeks that are ahead. My point is that we need to understand scriptural statements within the context in which they're found. Now, you and I can bring meanings of application from this passage, and we should, in prayer, as we search the scriptures, as we connect Scripture with Scripture in context, we must understand God's Word in 
context. And we must use it accordingly. So, upon two different occasions, Christ makes this illustrative statement, this saying about the mountain being moved or the fig tree being moved or planted elsewhere. Something that's totally miraculous, something totally uh, out of the world, not even accomplishing anything except movement. Why would he say such a thing? He's not really talking about mountains. He's not really talking about fig trees being planted in mountains. He's talking about the fact that we must have a radical faith in the person and mission of God. We must believe God, and we must pray with confident expectation that God can and will accomplish his mission, even through us, by the use of his power as we look to him and him alone to fulfill his will. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, have faith in God and pray with confident expectation.